This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He yeah. is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets won over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLI and Husker Hour. And I have been waiting so long to say these words. This is the last show before an actual Nebraska football game in 2020. Oh, baby. This is it. We're off the air next week because of the early kickoff. Uh, it is. Uh, it has been a long time coming. We are in mid-October. We should be into the bye week. This is literally the bye week in both versions of the schedule. Don't worry, Cole. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a baby due on Friday. Don't worry. I know this was supposed to be the bye week twice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Caleb's baby is due. The day before the twenty twenty. What is it? Is there a football game this week? I just know this is baby week. Yeah, I mean, just the number two or three team in the nation. Oh, they're know. going there. Okay. Yeah, they're going there <laughs> to start to start things off. Yeah, that's fun, right? We got a good show. Nate Klaus will be here. Nate was out in uh, Iowa checking out Henry Lutovsky last night. Uh, Caleb was right here in Lincoln checking out James Carney, mm-hmm. uh, the Norris senior and Nebraska commit at tight end. So a uh, little bit of uh, offensive line tight end collab that you guys will have a little bit later here. Yes, yes. A lot of, lot of digging into an actual matchup of football, which is fun. We're going to check out the tale of the tape uh, based on 2019 because we don't have any 2020 stats yet because the Big Ten hasn't started playing yet. But we've got a lot of Nebraska-Ohio State breakdown Dig in a little bit to what you can expect to see on the field for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Some places probably easier to project than others, and uh, we we're going to dig into a lot of that. Um, I think I don't want to bury the lead here, but I think the news of the week, Caleb, uh, just might have been a Nebraska wide receiver and his mustache. I don't know if you can confirm or <laughs> deny this, but uh, yeah, there's a. Uh... If anyone follows me on Twitter, please go watch that video we made with Steppenwolf and, and some highlights of the B-roll. Um, but actually, the, you know what? Let's just get that right away if we're able to. I know we've got to do the share screen over there and get all of that set up. But yes, Cade Warner's mustache was all over social media as soon as he walked out. But I realized when I went back into the B-roll, it was just that we all missed it. It's in the B-roll. It's all right there. Um, but he was asked specifically about the mustache and what what's going on with it at all. Um, usually it's a fall camp stash. Um, so this season has been kind of a, a weird fall camp, kind of elongated. So my mustache has just grown and grown. And then I'll probably cut it come the first game. But I'm getting some people from the team telling me, no, 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 keep it, keep it, keep it. So we'll see. Um, trust me, I don't think it looks good. I just think it's funny. <laughs> I just wear it because it gets a little laugh from people here and there. Um, but, yeah, it's a fun little thing um, to have, I guess. Now, Cole, did you happen to see, because this was all over social media, his dad, Kurt Warner. NFL Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, who's kind of good at football himself. 
for a time or two, maybe the greatest show on turf. He t- retweeted a picture of his son and tagged his mom and said, she would definitely like you to shave that and show off your pretty face. Yes. In the most dad and mom social media interaction. <laughs> Just super public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, actually, uh, Brenda Warner, his mom, uh, replied as well. Later, oh, I didn't. I didn't see her reply. Yes, yes, she said, "Mustache or no mustache, uh, I think you look beautiful," or something along those lines. So, thank you, parent. Very, very mom thing to say out for everyone in the world to see. Never change, moms. Never change. But I think the best tweet, and and this, I don't know if this will tip the scales in terms of the quarterback battle, but Luke McCaffrey literally had the best reply because you heard Cade Warner there say, "I don't think it looks good." Right. And and you know, I'm just think it's funny, Luke McCaffrey references that says Kate it doesn't look good it looks Looks great great. (laughs) so Luke McCaffrey just shot to the top of the depth chart in my book Um, and let's start there because there's been a lot made about the quarterback I'm putting this in quotations for those of you not watching on the Facebook live the quarterback battle Mm -hmm. I'm giving it quotes because I I don't know how much of a battle it is it may be I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a few scenarios, a few few theories out there. I think the most likely is Luke McCaffrey's gotten better and he's got a pretty good handle on the offense, and that closes the gap a little bit with Adrian Martinez, who was running this offense pretty well as a freshman and last year at times as well through some injuries. That's one theory. Luke McCaffrey's just closed the gap. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, another theory which uh, I think was uh, courtesy of one Brendan Stye yesterday on the Husker Tailgate was Luke McCaffrey is good enough to play and Martinez is still the starter, but there might be a pretty short leash because they're a lot more on equal footing now. Uh, if, if McCaffrey's more up to speed, built up his body a little bit more in the offseason to take a Big Ten beating through the season uh, and, and those types of things. That's another theory. The third, and I think mine, the one that I subscribe to, Martinez is still going to be the starter just because he does have a lot of experience and that's a big leg up over Mar- uh, McCaffrey. Uh, talent, both of them have it, obviously, but I think that experience can't be discounted. I think the most likely scenario is you guys, everybody listening, uh, you you heard the coaching staff, specifically Frost and Verduzco, have talked about this. Martinez was, uh, I think, complacent, comfortable uh, may have been the words used. Mm-hmm. Those types of words are not what you want to hear if you are a guy coming off of a disappointing second season in a pretty prominent position on the field. And so I think this might be a little bit of a message, a little bit of a, hey, keep this in mind, big boy. Somebody right behind you here, and he's pretty good too. And if we need to, we can go to him. I think that is a a message to Adrian Martinez to say, you need to have it every day. You need to bring it every single day. Because if you don't, we got this guy right behind you who is f- fully capable of running the offense, and we may very well give him the chance if you drop the ball, so to speak. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't know how much of a real competition it is. Adrian, you have a two-year returning starter. Have you seen it before where someone's upset the incumbent? Of course, sure. but... I don't think now the gap is closed. Surely the gap is closed. Going from one year to from year one to year two for Luke McCaffrey, there's there's no doubt that 
he has gotten better. And think about the off-season workout he got in with his brothers. There's, right. There is no replacement for that kind of an experience that Luke was able to have. But I think most of what is happening is just to try and push Adrian. He got... He felt safe in his position. Yeah. Came in as a freshman and set the world on fire and said, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And then as a sophomore went, there, there's no one here going to take the job from me. They're, they're, they're redshirting that guy. I've already beat this other guy out. This is my job. Add that with some injuries, and the year doesn't go very well for you. Now, the gap is closer. I don't think that Adrian has as safe a lead as he probably had at the beginning of 2019. Mm. But I don't think he's necessarily in trouble unless you get into games and he starts to not play really well because there's not a redshirt opportunity this year that you or that you really have to worry about. Mm-hmm. So at any time, if things aren't going well, Luke can go on the field. Logan Smothers can go on the field at any time this year. He can year. play all 12. All, all 12, geez. He can play all eight or nine games right. without having to worry about losing a redshirt season this year. So this is the year that I would think... The leash is short on just about every position if you have someone that you think is capable of stepping in. Not just at quarterback, but any position. Especially here, talking about quarterback, where I think a lot of people like Luke. I know there's... Everyone loves the backup. The guy who just needs to get his shot, needs to get his opportunity. Right. But let's be real, Adrian Martinez is the guy right now until that job is taken. The backup quarterback has never thrown an interception. Correct. Right, and Adrian Martinez threw nine interceptions last year. He threw some interceptions his freshman year. Uh, he's had some fumbles. So yeah, that's that's part of it. Let's get a little bit more from uh, the coaching staff on the quarterback situation too, because Matt Lubick spoke to this this week. The new offensive yeah. coordinator Scott Frost spoke to this this week. Let's, and I'll, I'll tell you, not just the coaches, and we've we've got those two coaches. Yeah, but every single player was asked about the <laughs> quarterbacks. Can we stop doing that? It's in the contract for every member of the media to ask can, literally every player about the quarterback Can we stop battle. asking every defensive back and running back and receiver and tight end about the quarterbacks? No. I get I get it. The quarterback is the position. We can't, Caleb. But why do we, we have to ask it. every single player about what they're seeing from the quarterbacks? Why do we have to ask Barrett Rude? Hey, your inside linebackers, um, who's playing well for you? Also, as you're defending the quarterbacks, what are you seeing from them? Why do we do that? Have you lived in Nebraska your whole life? Yeah. kind of what we do. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Coach Scott Frost was asked about it on Tuesday if there was a clear-cut uh, number one or depth chart. No, I wouldn't say it's clear yet. Uh, Adrian's certainly playing well. Luke's certainly playing well. Uh, we feel like we got two guys um, at the top of that heap that are, are playing well enough to help us win games. Every uh, position is a competition. Um, we're going to have to make those decisions pretty pretty quickly, but I've been really impressed with both guys. Pretty standard Scott Frost fare there, and I don't think you'd expect anything less from him. And No. And, and yeah, the way he's going to talk about this is is going to be just that. It's going to be intentionally vague, and that's why you ask everybody because maybe Barrett Root isn't isn't going to hold back as much as as Frost might. The only one that has said anything was Coach Lubick a couple weeks ago said Adrian was the number one as of now. Well, that as of now has obviously turned a lot into it's a competition. It's a competition. There's no clear cut. It's a competition. Both guys are playing well. Lubick was asked again on Thursday where things are at with 
choosing or selecting a starting quarterback going into Ohio State? Well, it's an on. First of all, we feel great about all our quarterbacks. You know, Luke and Adrian are playing at a very, very high level. And uh, just in the brief mo- time that I've been here, I've seen huge improvements. Uh, it's an ongoing evaluation. We evaluate it every single day. They both can win for us. They both are moving the ball. Um, that's going to be a decision between Coach Frost, uh, Mario, and myself. That's going to come up very soon. What's, what's, what's going to be the key, uh, the key thing that you make the decision on? What are the, what are the key diagnostic tools you, you guys will use? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, but to be the biggest thing is who gives us the best chance to win. They both can win. They both can play. But who gives us the best chance? And the fact that it's a hard decision is a good is a good situation because like I said, we got two guys we feel really good about. Does Ohio State playing Ohio State change that at all? The fact that you're playing the best team in the league in the first game? No. No, I mean Whoever we play, and you're right, they, they're, they're a darn good football team, but whoever we play, we want to play the guy that gives us the best chance to win. Best chance to win, I think, would probably tend to favor experience at this point. Correct. Uh, but but like I said, it's it's not going to be the same situation as 2019. And he had a, he had a bona fide battle in 2018 when he was a true freshman mm-hmm. to win the job. He was head-to-head with Tristan Jebbia. Uh, Jebbia lost the battle and left the program, and in 2019 there wasn't really a battle, and that's what this coaching staff was specifically referencing this offseason about Martinez and, and a little bit of comfortability, a little bit of complacency. Uh, if you take that away, then you would think you'll get a little bit more of that freshman season. You take the injuries that plagued his season last year away, for some of the games, and you get a little bit more of what you had his freshman season, which, hey, speaking of Ohio State, in his freshman season, Nebraska dang near won in Columbus. That <laughs> right. was, like I think, a five-point loss, 33-28, right. if I recall. Uh, and Martinez was a big reason why they had a shot to win that game. Divina Zigbo was was uh, showing out as well. You still had Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman uh, as weapons on the outside. You certainly don't have either of those guys now. Mm-hmm. But Martinez has gone into Columbus with 100,000 in the stands. There ain't going to be 100,000 in the stands this time either. There's not going to be 100 in the stands. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, as, as this goes for any position too. You're better if the wolf's at the door. Who Who is yeah. going to be the guy that does not crack under pressure and says, oh, this other guy has come for my job, and if I wasn't here... Yeah, I think he'd be more than capable, but this is my job, and I'm going to go take it. This is, and I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to earn it, and keep everyone else away from it because this is my job. Those are the type of guys that this team needs to have, whether there is someone behind them or not, that constantly have that feeling of the wolf is at the door. Someone is behind me. Who is pushing me? And really, there just hasn't been that for a couple years across the board at every position. There are some guys that can get very comfortable how do you keep that going forward, especially at the quarterback position? Right. And and there's going to be a few positions like that around on the team that we'll, we might dig into a little bit more of the projected depth chart, some position battles, unsettled positions that we uh, we don't really know what we'll see, but we've got a decent idea. Uh, but obviously quarterback is, is chief among them. Saw Lubick there as well. Quick note, he is going to be coaching from the box this season too. So um, that, uh, that question is now answered. All right. A uh, little bit of recruiting talk here in our next segment. Husker Online, Nate Klaus 
is going to be joining us from the road. You just saw Henry Latovsky out there in Iowa last night. He will be back with us uh, right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. The last Husker Hour before real live Nebraska football in 2020. That counts as a programming note, by the way. Pre-game from the network next weekend. Next Saturday starts at 6 a.m. You don't want to start at 5? I could. <laughs> I don't want to start at 5. I, uh, I mean, that would feel like a, a weekday for me. Yeah. But yeah. also, I might be in a hospital. So, yeah, yeah let, let's just plan on not coming in next yeah. Saturday morning. Done. Yeah, listen to the network. Uh, you'll of course have coverage right here on KLIN, um, and 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 that starts at six a.m. Kickoff at eleven from Columbus. The whole shebang. You got the 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 pregame, the postgame. It's a real live football game. And uh, Big we'll, Ten football is back. The Earth is healing. <laughs> We're almost to the finish line of twenty twenty. The Earth has to start healing at some point, right? Um, also uh, providing coverage of that one um, out in uh, Columbus. Probably from Lincoln because, of course, nobody can travel to Columbus to watch the game in person. Uh, is Husker Online's Nate Klaus uh, joining us here right now on the Husker Hour uh, on the road in Iowa, having just seen Henry Latovsky uh, last night in his high school game? Nate, thanks for joining the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Pretty good. Uh, let's let's start with what you saw last night. Uh, Caleb had a chance to check out James Carney here in Lincoln, another Husker commit. You saw Henry Latovsky, one of the offensive linemen in this class. How did he play? How did his team look? Uh, what did you see, and, and how does that translate to the next level for Henry? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I can't tell you how impressed I was with uh, with the way that Henry Latovsky played. Uh, I mean, he's he's always 6'6", 320 pounds. And, you know, a lot of times when you say a high school kid is 320 pounds, you automatically assume, okay, he's got a lot of bad weight to lose. But that's not the case. With Henry, uh, I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't have a gut or anything. He is he is a solid 320 pounds, uh, probably about as good as 320 pounds as any high school kid that I that I've seen look. So, um, and he was just flat out dominant all, all night last night, and it, that was from the first whistle. Uh, he he uh, he put his he put his uh, defender on his back, and and it was a long night for whoever was lining up across from Henry. Uh, dominant run blocker. Um, he, he plays right tackle, um, and, and I think he's going to be an inside guy once he gets to Nebraska. But uh, I, I liked his pass protection as well. Uh, you know, a lot of times that's something that is a little bit lagging with uh, with a lot of high school kids, especially in the Midwest, with teams that don't necessarily air it out uh, a ton. But uh, you know, he's got the athletic ability uh, in, in the feet. To, to play tackle, uh, even though he's probably going to move inside at the next level. Uh, but he is a throwback lineman. I mean, he is nasty. He, he's driving his guy into the ground, uh, you know, putting putting people on their back and, and looking for the next person to, to go and get. So uh, I'm really, really excited about uh, what the future holds for Henry Lutovsky. I like when any lineman is described as nasty. That is always that that is always a plus when you can get that kind of a description, especially at that size for Latovsky. Now James Carney came to Lincoln yesterday at Pius. Five targets, three catches, fifty seven yards. One of them was a one handed grab where it definitely looked like he was overthrown, but 
Nate, he's got big old mitts reeling that ball in. Did leave with uh, an injury. I think he'll be fine to play Waverly this next week. That's three tight end commits in this class. What what does that do going forward? How big was it to get the local guy to make that commitment to Lincoln? Yeah, I think it was huge uh, to get James Carney in this class. And, and, you know, I know I've been asked an awful lot, you know, what was Nebraska waiting on? Because this is a, I mean, he's 6'5", 225 pounds, can run. Like you said, he's got... Got big hands. Uh, he's got, uh, uh, you know, he can catch the football extremely well. Um, you know, so you know, what was what was the the weight? And I and I think it all just came down to numbers for Nebraska um, because it's not every year you see three tight ends taken in one class. Uh, however, they are top heavy uh, when you look at the roster with uh, guys like Jack Stoll and and uh, you know even juniors like Travis Volkolek and Austin Allen and Kurt Raftall. You know, all those guys are going to be leaving the program here in the next year or two, and so um, and they didn't sign a tight end last year. The uh, the one that they signed two years ago, Chris Hickman, has now made the full time transition to wide receiver. So they ha- they had a hole there uh, that they needed to fill at the at the, at the roster. And, uh, but I I do think it was still just a matter of you know making the numbers work as far as what their other needs were in, in the class as well. But. Um, I, I think that James Carney is a terrific addition to the class, uh, and I think that he's going to be somebody that uh, Nebraska is going to be very happy that he's on their team uh, rather than on someone else's. Because I'll tell you this, had they not offered, uh, I think he would have been uh, playing where I'm currently at right now. <laughs> that's just outside of Iowa City. Yeah, that's uh, one of those. You go and take Fedoni out of Iowa, albeit right next to Omaha. Don't lose the local guy to the Hawkeyes. Another commitment, this one on the walk-on side, Ord kicker Kellen Meyer, who hit a 58-yarder earlier this year for the Chanticleers. What what have you seen for the overhaul of this specialist group and to get an in-state guy to walk on, which has had a pretty good success for Nebraska over the years? Well, yeah, I mean, Nebraska's, I mean, you could go on down the list on all the great kickers and punters that uh, that have been, you know, right in the state of Nebraska, homegrown products. And, and I think Kellen Meyer, is, you know, I think he fits right in that mold. Uh, not only is he, I think, the best kicker in the state, but I think he's one of the best kickers in the Midwest. Uh, you know, and, and arguably, you know, uh, you know, one of the one of the top kickers in the nation, depending on you know who you talk to, what what kicking services or kicking gurus that you, you talk to. But like you said, he, he's hit a 58-yarder uh, in a game. I know his coaches say that that uh, at practice when he's screwing around that he's hit uh, from 70 yards before. Uh, and I don't anticipate him ever needing to do that at the next level. Uh, but that's the type of leg that you're talking about with uh, with Kellen Meyer. And, um, you know, we all know the problems and the, the, the difficulties that Nebraska's had here as of late at, at that kicking position. And, um, you know, and, and that's something that they tried to address this in last year's recruiting class uh, with a handful of walk-ons. And, um, you know, and, and again, you know, until that position is solidified, uh, I think they're, they're continuing to, uh, to try and bring in the, the best talent that they can get. And uh, I think that was, that was a huge get there for them, uh, you know, as far as special teams and kicking is concerned. Nate Klaus from Husker Online joining us here on the K-Lion Husker Hour. Uh, Nate, let's chat about what Nebraska has left on the board for this recruiting cycle. Who are they still targeting uh, at the top of their board? Uh, what positions are still uh, definitely saying need 
to you, and and how do you think they finish out this class before December and February signing periods? Yeah, well, I think the the, the biggest needs right now are, are up front on the defensive side of the ball, the D line. Uh, currently, no commitments uh, from any defensive linemen. Uh, you know, I, I know some people, especially the the rec- people that follow recruiting uh, very heavily. Is starting to get a little worried about that, uh, you know, and I'm not ready to hit the panic button just yet. I, I think Tony Tuioti is in on a lot of uh, really talented players. Uh, it's just, just kind of just so happens that a lot of those guys are, uh, you know, hasn't been able to take visits with uh, with the recruiting dead period due to due to COVID, and um, you know they're they're waiting it out, uh, you know, to, to to make their decision, or, or they don't necessarily have a timeline, uh, you know, made up right now. So. I think that's that's the main reason why they don't have any uh, commitments there on that defensive line. Now, a couple of names to, to to keep an eye out on though is uh, you know Ruquan Buckley, a defensive end out of Michigan, uh, who was actually you know initially was supposed to be making his decision on October 13th, uh, which I believe was his birthday, uh, but he decided to to push that back just a little bit. But I still think Nebraska is in great shape there. Uh, Michigan State is making a strong push. Uh, so, like I said, that's that's someone to keep an eye on to see, see kind of what happens there. Um, you know, there's a handful of other uh, defensive linemen, one of which is from Hawaii, uh, and, and I'm not even going to go and try and <laughs> pronounce his name. A yeah, Polynesian guy, uh, it, it, uh, and then there's another Polynesian out of uh, out of Nevada uh, who's originally from Hawaii. Uh, that Tony Tuioti is, is after. Uh, his, his last name Savea. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt the first name uh, because I will completely butcher it. Uh, but he's a 6'5", 260-pound defensive end. And, um, and right now, you know, I think Nebraska, I, I, honestly, I think he's Nebraska's to lose. Uh, I've been able to speak with him a little bit. He has shut down his recruitment. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, when, when somebody says, you know, I'm done with the recruiting process, uh, but I'm not going to, you know, make a commitment or, or announce a commitment, I think it pretty much means that, uh, you know, there's a good chance that they already have their mind made up. Uh, he is playing in, in the, uh, the All-American Bowl uh, down in San Antonio, assuming that that still takes place this year. And I think he's wanting to make a, you know, an announcement down there. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he were to announce for Nebraska. Uh, so that's that's one defensive end that I think, uh, you, you know, you, you automatically put high on the board there, along with Ruquan Buckley. Uh, you know, and they probably need a, a, nose, a nose tackle, too, in this class. And, um, you know, so I think three defensive linemen. And then if you could sneak in another linebacker and defensive back in this class, I think that would pretty much wrap it up. And so, uh, I mean, they're really getting close to, to putting the finishing touches on this class, and uh, it's just a very unique situation right now with uh, you know with the, the remaining targets that are on the board. Everyone outside of Ruquan Buckley has uh, has not been able to, to visit Nebraska or take any visits for that matter. And so, uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a deal where you either have to basically you know convince somebody to take a leap of faith and commit without seeing anything or, um, you know, being able to, to take those visits or, um, you know, or they're going to kind of wait things out until, until they feel comfortable uh, or until they think that, you know, they're, they might uh, lift that recruiting dead period perhaps in, in January. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, 
like I said, there's there's probably about you know eight defensive linemen I think they're in on right now. It's just it's just hard telling who could be the next domino to fall there or the first domino to fall there. Last minute here with Husker Online's Nate Klaus. Nate, uh, recruiting different in 2020, as you said, not able to take those visits. But also, you have to think about the fact that the eligibility has been extended. This year doesn't count against anyone. How are you seeing that impacting uh, recruiting, not just from the school side of things, but from recruits trying to make their decisions on where they want to go, possibly seeing a few guys stay ahead of them for longer than what they anticipated? Yeah, you know, I have not seen that directly impact anyone's decision, or at least they've not told me that that's going to uh, impact their decision or, or, you know, maybe kids that have already made a commitment prior to them announcing that, that uh, no one would be losing eligibility this year. I don't, I don't know that there's anybody really second-guessing uh, you know, second that commitment because there may be some players coming back that they initially thought were going to be leaving. Uh, but I'll tell you, I do think that you know, the closer we get to signing day, especially that late signing day in February, the, the traditional signing day, if you will, um, I do think that that could come into play. Um, you know, once a lot of these schools kind of have have a better idea of who's who's going to be coming back, who may be leaving, even though they they still have uh, eligibility technically. So, um, you know. I, I, and really, I feel for the coaches in this, um, you know, as far as the eligibility goes, because that's kind of a, a nightmare scenario where you've got to manage, um, you know, a roster of players, uh, you know, as far as who's coming, who's going, uh, along with not only your 2021 recruiting class, but it also affects your numbers for 2022 and, and beyond. And so, uh, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle that, that the coaching staff and administrators and, and you know recruiting staff and so on uh, that they're going to have to kind of piece together here over the coming months that um, you know is definitely going to make an impact in, in some shape or form. That's Nate Klaus, Husker Online, joining us from the road, heading back to Nebraska after checking out Henry Latovsky in Iowa. Nate, thanks a lot for the time, and it's uh, officially game week. We made it. Thanks a lot. We finally made it. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Nate Klaus uh, joining us uh, from the road. That was uh, pretty good to catch up with him there. Uh, we are going to take a break, get back uh, into the uh, matchup with Ohio State. We're going to dig into what uh, what you can expect to see on the field from Nebraska. A little bit of the tail of the tape, comparing Ohio State to the Huskers. Some Nebraska ball news this week as well. And uh, that's, uh, that's all to come. Stick around. It's KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Caleb's feeling good. Everybody's feeling good. It's snow in the forecast. Yeah, that, that, that or wait is. a minute. Yeah, college football. Yes, college football. And it is officially game week. I'm just going to go ahead and call it here. I don't care if it's a Saturday. It's game week right now. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about Nebraska versus Ohio State. Obviously, mm-hmm. Ohio State is... A top two or three team for a reason. Justin Fields is a Heisman candidate quarterback. Uh, they have weapons all over the place. They reload every single year, despite the fact that they drop first-rounders into the NFL draft every single year. They're going to be very tough. Um, I think Nebraska will have some unexpected wrinkles on offense to keep them off their toes, or on their toes, off their game. What, like running two quarterbacks on the field? You know what? Yes. Yes. 
Um, just going through and and kind of projecting out the starters, uh, which was an exercise I did yesterday. The 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 concept that the Husker coaching staff has touched on quite a bit is uh, we're going to get our best eleven players on the field at any given time. Mm-hmm. I got news for you: the Huskers are pretty thin at receiver, and and so I think if you put Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez on the field at the same time, that's your best bet in terms of getting the best eleven. Um, let's start at receiver because there, there's obviously the loss of J.D. Spielman, right. transferred to TCU. Uh, Wandale will be able to de- dedicate full-time uh, playing there, uh, but just yesterday on the tailgate I noticed on the Iowa depth chart. By the way, tailgate doesn't start till this next Friday. That was just our final sty days. Sty days, all right, fair enough. I re- I've, I've wrongly branded yesterday's show. It's okay. It, it, it felt like a tailgate to me. It should have been a tailgate in mid-October. Right. <laughs> So, so the depth chart for the Iowa game last year, the last time Nebraska's staff yes. has actually put one out, nine receivers, three per th- uh, spot. Uh, only three of those guys are even back with this team. And one of them was a tight end earlier in the season last right. year. That's Chris, Chris Hickman. Hickman. Uh, you only have Cade Warner and Wandale Robinson as far as returning experience. Uh, Omar Manning is obviously a big wild card in this. His status for the game is kind of ambiguous right now. Um, Alante Brown is a new guy as well, and, and he might be more of a, a sure thing as far as being able to see him on the field a lot this season. But Alante, as well as Wandale, have both missed a little bit of time yep. with some uh, some injuries. Omar Manning being that wild card has been for health and personal reasons, has right. missed some practice time. So as we're going through this wide receiver group, you're starting to get thinner. Yes. Cade Warner, he had some injury issues last year, but he was uh, an impact player at times uh, in his uh, freshman season with Adrian Martinez. Caught the game-tying two-point conversion against Iowa in 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if he's healthy, that's a big boost. Uh, Other guys you can maybe look to see at the receiver position, uh, a couple of red shirts from last year, Demarion Houston and Jamie Nance. Uh Uh, You've also got the grad transfer from South Dakota, Levi Falk. He might factor into the discussion a little bit. Uh, and then uh, another transfer, Oliver Martin from Iowa. They are waiting on a potential waiver for his immediate eligibility this season. That might be another guy you can get in the 2020 season. And then you've got other freshmen in Marcus Fleming and Xavier Betts, mm-hmm. who is somebody people are excited about as well for his size. Uh, he's from Bellevue West. He got in uh, late with academics, but he qualified and he's here. Uh, but what... What, if anything, has the staff said about Betts' availability? Uh, it has really been that he's come on over the last couple of weeks, and that, that's kind of the same thing we've heard from uh, both Wandale and Cade this week, is that Xavier has, has come on over the last couple of weeks, but a lot of it is just trying to get up to speed on the offense. This is not... Like, even Wandale last year, he got a lot of run at running back, and he got a little bit out on the edge, but this is an offense that you have to come in and be able to block on the edge, know where all of your calls are. Um, it's not typically something that someone comes straight out of high school and then their first year at Nebraska is able to know the playbook 100%. Now, there's been a little bit of extra time, and actually they've gotten some extra work in because Cade Warner has been running some whiteboard uh, days, I believe on like Mondays or something. He talked about it this week. Yeah. Um which is something that, and I think Cade might be on scholarship. Austin Allen kind of right. let let that slip. Yes, and then Frost didn't exactly confirm it. Just said they're going to wait till this next week to uh, confirm some of those. But Cade Warner 
leadership, I think, is undervalued for what he brings to this uh, this position group. But he talked about how he has really been doing a good job of mentoring the younger guys and helping bring them along with the playbook. Yeah, so it all started um, me just asking the guys because obviously there's some stuff we can go over and film, and we only have a certain amount of time allotted per week to go over different things. Um, and there's different questions you can ask somebody um, when you're their player and they're doing the things and then when they're a coach. So I kind of just hit up all the receivers and I said, hey, I am free any day. I am bored. I just play video games all day. Use my free time, please. I'm tired of doing this. Use my free time. Come over during the games. We can have. I can bring snacks. Come over. I'll just put a whiteboard up and we'll just explain plays. So um, a latte's been there. A bunch of young guys have been there. And it's really just me going over what I see on the field and how I attack defenses. And I think that when you understand a defense and their weaknesses and their strengths and where we're trying to hit different plays, it can help you run routes in terms of the timing and depth you have to be. Um, so there's different ways to run routes. I just like to go over that with guys. And I love talking football, so it was a great little getaway for me to be able to talk to them. And I hope they've learned a lot of it, uh, a lot from it. Um, but yeah, I, I keep doing those. Um, whenever people hit me up, I've had guys after the first couple sessions, I kind of weaned away and I said, all right, we'll see if they want to hit me up. And I've had guys hit me up every week um, to kind of go over and keep doing it. So I think they like it. I think they're learning a little something from it. Um, but I, I enjoy it and it's good to see guys wanting to learn. I don't know how you would be able to focus on the whiteboard with that mustache talking to you. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, that's that's really good to know uh, that, that you've got leaders stepping up within the team because – this has been a very unique off season in that you've got less contact than even normal between the staff and the mm-hmm. players and being able to coach them and being able to teach them. And so to have player led discussions, uh, just stuff that they're organizing on their own, uh, that's, that's insight into the, the steps that the roster and the guys on the, on this team are taking. Um, to, to get Nebraska to that next level, especially at a position group, as we just said, you're going to have to have some, Got some inexperienced guys who have not seen the field a whole lot really come along. Yeah. Is it going to be a Xavier Betts or an Elante Brown or a Will Fleming? Um, there's also there's been a lot of talk about uh, Wyatt Lever looking really good in practice since they've they've gone to pads and throughout this fall. Who's going to step up? We know if if healthy, Wandale Robinson is going to be a guy on the edge. It, is Omar Manning going to be out there? Because you almost have to have him opposite of Wandale at the very least. You want the prototype who fits into that same mold as Omar Manning is Xavier Betts. How much yep. of the playbook is he able to pick up? It's a lot easier if you've got Cade Warner's mustache explaining it to you for a few weeks on a whiteboard. But really, that that position group is a giant question mark in who's going to be able to fill some of those fill some of those targets. Yeah, and so you might see some two running back sets a little bit more often since you've got a few more guys there potentially with obviously Dedrick Mills, but uh, Ramir Johnson got some time last year. They're excited about their freshman Marvin Scott and Sevion Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, you might see some two tight end sets a little bit more often because you, you feel good about Jack Stoll. I think you Allen wa- and Travis Vokalek are, are guys you're yes. going to play a lot this year too. Yes, that, that is that is a great point there on the, on the tight end sets because you've got three of those guys there and especially, not that he can't block, but Vokalek is a pass catcher. Right. He he is one of those guys that you have in the game to kind of Gronk style. Mm-hmm. Can can he do the other things a tight end needs to do? Yeah. But he's a big target. Mm-hmm. Um not that Austin Allen and Jack Stoll can't catch the ball too. We know they can, but I like them blocking a lot more. Mm-hmm. Vokalek is definitely the pass catching prototype for a tight end. 
Right. Yeah, so we've got more depth chart discussion. We'll flip to defense next segment. Uh, we've also got Nebraska ball news that we'll get to you. And a little bit of national stuff to cover. Is Nick Saban going to be able to beat COVID quick enough to get on the sideline for Georgia tonight? He's one test away. Don't forget volleyball championships. Yes, announcement on where that's going to be in the next couple of years. That's for you, Grandma. And bowl eligibility. Yes. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. It's our last show before real football. Come back right after this. K-Line Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. All right, we've talked offense. Let's talk defense. A little bit more unsettled across some of these positions. Uh, Really on on offense, it's just the receivers that you don't know who you'll see a whole lot of. Mm -hmm. Um, Defensively, that's a little different. I think uh, you're going to see a lot of Ben Stilley. Uh, as one of the defensive ends, that's obvious. The other one, maybe not as obvious. DeAndre Thomas has the most experience, uh, but you've heard a lot of chatter this offseason about Ty Robinson, about Jordan Riley as a JUCO transfer. Uh, you, you could see either one of them be able to uh, slide up there and, yeah. and start, too. Uh, and then at nose tackle, I think Damian Daniels is probably the guy. Uh, Keem Green would, mm-hmm. would most likely be the one to back him up on D-line. Yeah, those, those front three, I think you've got a, a pretty set uh, set there with with Stilly Riley and Daniels, but I would and I said this earlier in the week on a, on a Husker Max practice report. Expect a rotation. Yep. Uh, Keem Green's going to definitely be able to get in. I think Ty Rob Ty Robinson's going to be able to get in. You're going to have some guys at that front three that are going to have to rotate, mm-hmm. and a lot of this this rotation it builds because of the way the defense works backwards because your outside linebackers might have to be some guys that slide down to more of a defensive end. Your inside linebackers are going to have a rotation because someone there might have to slide outside at some point because your DBs might have to have someone come down. And all of that is because of the depth at defensive back that is great at the top. Like, the talent is great at the top. Yes. But losing Braxton Clark hurts you at corner and now you have to slide some of your safeties over. And I think that, as talking about wide receivers on offense, it's the defensive backs, which I, Cole, we've talked about this. It's the strength of the defense, mm. but we're going to have to see possibly some freshmen step in and play well. Yeah, I, I liken the defensive backfield to, uh, if, if you play NCAA football in dynasty mode, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. When you have a team that's got really good guys at the starting spots, like high 80s, low 90s, but then all of their backups are like redshirt freshmen, yep. true freshmen, they're in the 70s, uh, maybe even the high 60s, and, and they're just not as talented or you know their awareness is much lower their experience is much lower so that's kind of the situation that the defensive backfield is in top line guys no question decap camp taylor Britt, deontay williams and markel dismuke at the safety spots uh nadab joseph quentin newsom uh those guys are potentially the backups at corner Taman lineham and ronald delancey are true freshmen uh that could also step in and then at safety noah pola gates and miles farmer both redshirted last year uh, and then Isaac Gifford is really the only other guy that you know of uh-huh. um, that that could back them up. So good at the top, thin below, thin right below that layer. So in one of those in that kind of betweenish area, Nadab Joseph, yeah, top corner, top defensive back in the country, but he got here so late. Mm-hmm. 
um, out of junior college. What is he? What has he been able to pick up? He's had extra time to pick some stuff up. Uh, we just haven't heard a whole lot about him over the three weeks we've had media availability. He's a guy that if he's able to pick up on some of the nuances of the defense, and that that's part of running this defense under Frost and Shenander for a few seasons is you get to go faster because you know what the calls are and you know what the adjustments are right away. How much of that is Joseph able to pick up that he can put in some quality quality reps and quality snaps out on the field because I think he is going to be necessary more than maybe what we would have thought a couple months ago when when he committed. Yes, very much so. The Braxton Clark injury definitely hurts there. Uh, at linebacker, at Will Honus, Colin Miller, they're your seniors at inside. Nick Henrich, Luke Reimer obviously has been a factor this offseason. Those guys could get some playing time as well. Outside, JoJo Doman's one of your guys. The other spot, it's the spot that I feel like is kind of my pet project. Uh, it's, <laughs> it might be Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner. I think both of those guys are, are right there. Uh, Jamari Butler. Uh, Nico Cooper, those are uh, Feldarius Payne. Those guys are all newcomers. Uh, Blaze Gunnarsson redshirted last year. Um, those are uh, all potentially able to play uh, at that outside spot too. Uh, last break for us. Uh, we'll wrap things up and uh, get you ready for the weekend and roll into game week there right go. after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. As always, if you missed any of the show, you can head to the podcast page at KLIN.com. We had Nate Klaus from Husker Online earlier talking recruiting. Uh, the Facebook and Twitter pages at KLIN Huskers. Always uh, thankful for Kenny Larrabee putting the Facebook Live out there for you so you can see uh, Caleb's Robert Pattinson Batman uh, going on right it's now. It's haircut day. It's haircut day. Wow, just in time for the baby, huh? Yeah. There you go. That's a good. That's a good strategy. You want to look your best. Uh, as we uh, as we finish up with looking at the Nebraska depth chart, let's let's hit specialists real quick. Uh, at kicker and punter, uh, there were six kickers who attempted a point after or field goal last season. None of them are a part of this depth <laughs> chart. It is unbelievable. Uh, to say such a thing, but that's true. Uh, Connor Culp is the transfer from LSU. Uh, I think he's the odds-on favorite to win the uh, kicking job. That Tyler Crawford is a guy from Texas they brought in, uh, walked on. Chase Contreras, uh, a native Nebraskan who went to Iowa Western. Uh, those three guys are kind of in play for kicker. And then at punter, you got the kid from Australia, Daniel, Daniel Cerny. He's probably your guy. Yeah. William Pristup backed up Isaac Armstrong last season. Just get someone out there who can... Let's just not go through six guys. Jonathan Rutledge is your uh, your your assistant yeah. who's focused on special teams. Not a full timer uh, in terms of the ten assistants who can go on the road recruiting, but special teams is his baby, uh, and he was pretty good at it in his career at Auburn and, and previous stops before that. Uh, some NCAA news this week, Caleb. So volleyball championships coming back to Nebraska in 2022. That's going to be at Omaha at the CHI Health Center. No word yet on the spring 2021 championship. We'll see what happens every year that they've been in Omaha. Nebraska has made the Final Four, has made the semifinals, right. two championships out of the last three that have been there. You've also got the NCAA, says all 127 FBS teams this competing this fall, eligible for the 78 bowl game spots. Congratulations, Nebraska. Yeah. Bowl eligible for the first time under Scott Frost. A one-time transfer rule has been passed. They'll have to 
give final approval in January. All winter sports have one year of eligibility extension. Uh, quickly, in this last minute, Cole, we're not going to be here next Saturday. Nope. Prediction, Ohio State, Nebraska. I think Nebraska loses 33-28, to 28, same as 2018. Okay. Ohio State, 48. Ooh. Nebraska, 31. They cover. Okay. All right, that's probably going to hit the over too. Twenty-one and a half is the uh, yeah the spread. That's the spread. If you missed it, Nebraska basketball. Uh, a couple more teams added to their golden window, and uh, five-star virtual visit with Trey McGowan's brother. Keep an eye on that. Ooh. All right, wear a mask. It's game week. Go big red.